Hello and welcome to the Don Diver, the family podcast about the Essendon Football Club. And Laura, it has been nine long, cold, dark years since we have tasted victory against the mighty club that Richmond have been. And it's a pretty big win in the context of our season, but I think it's a much bigger win in the context of our football club, particularly over the last 10 years, if not uh, greater, if you want to take into account the, the long, long finals drought. And could you have scripted it any better? Richmond up and about, won two in a row, beaten last year's premiers, feel like they're back, the media's going nuts, Richmond of old is back. We lose Setterfield during the week, Jake Kelly fails to come up, we lose Shield before the bounce, incredibly depleted, added to an incredibly long injury list, and I'm... I actually messaged our number one fan, who is a Richmond supporter, before the game uh, when the news for Shield was out. Um, and I said, this has all the makings of a win for the ages. And kicking it, kicking a goal with the last kick of the game to come from behind and win by a point, it does not get better than that. It does get better than that. Being an ex-Richmond player, kicking the winning goal with seven seconds to go for that come-from-behind victory. That's how it gets better than that. Mm, It was, yeah, it was one of... This is one of the wins that I'll remember forever, I reckon. There's a couple that, you know, we've gone to the footy so much and we watch so many games of football, and there's a few that really stick, stick out in the memory. So... Zaharakis Anzac Day 1 is one of those. Uh, you know, there's Waller kicking 7 against Brisbane. There's countless ones. And I think this is going in the bank as equal to those. I agree. I agree. It was it was such an exciting game. And it, it was a roller coaster, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, one minute you're like, yes, we're on. We've got this. The next minute you're like, oh, it's all over. If we don't get another goal now, it's all all over. It was just a huge, huge roller coaster of a game. Mm. And look, if I'm honest about watching the game, I felt like our system was better for the vast majority of that game, and their quality is what kept them in the game and then in front. I feel like our team was on top for the majority of the night, but they, when you've got players like Dusty and Shy Bolton... You give them an opportunity and they'll take it. Whereas I felt that our game plan was better. I felt like we were coached better. And I felt like our execution in general was better. But they just had the quality to keep them in the game. They had the quality to keep them in the game. And also a little bit of help from the boys in whatever colour that they were wearing, being the umpires. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I, I watched the game again today. And it was really only that first quarter. And then when you're when you've had two in a row like that, obviously we're talking about the one where Samson Ryan didn't mark the ball and got paid as a mark. And then there was another goal that they kicked where Dusty dropped it while he was tackled, picked it up again, dropped it again, and then Rewalt grabbed it, dropped it, and then handballed out to um for another goal. So those were the two and they were just really close. They were back to back. Um, back-to-back goals, and then that just kind of colours your view for the rest of the night. But it's not really... It wasn't as bad as I remember it being in the heat of the moment, but they were hours. But also, like, when... um, When... ...ball to it, and then later on there was a very clear, like... um, tackle where there was not even an attempt and it wasn't paid. Yeah, yeah. So then then that's just the inconsistency of umpiring across the league in general, right? That 
But it's still very confusing to me of what is holding the ball in incorrect disposal anymore. But I think that's a, a league-wide issue. But th- those two were absolutely howlers. They were terrible, terrible decisions. And it almost ended up costing the game, right? Because that well, yeah. that free goal, winning by less than a goal, you know, it could have it could have been the other side of it. I said that to you at the time, didn't I? I said, imagine mm. we win they win by less than a goal. And that was like clearly not a mark. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it's worse if that happens in like late in the last quarter. It happened in the first quarter, so you can't really blame the result on that if it was to go that way. But it didn't. It didn't right, go that way. We it won this not. game. And when we talk about the context of the season, this one was really the end of a really tough run. And And three weeks ago, you would have thought that playing the way we were and Richmond playing the way they were, that we would have won this by about five or six goals. And then they did find some form in the last couple of weeks, and it became a much more difficult proposition, and we got quite a few injuries, it became a much more difficult proposition than three weeks earlier. So I'm so glad that we were able to pinch this one, because it takes us to five and five, and then we've got North and West Coast twice each. Now, if you're a serious football team in their form and the injury worries, particularly that West Coast, West Coast lost to Hawthorne by 114 points today. So they have just got, they don't have 22 fit players. So you would assume that we win those two and then North Melbourne we should put away because they're equally bad. Um, so that takes us to nine and five for the season. And then really, we've got to win three more games to get us over the line with a return game um, against GWS and a couple other 50-50s. So getting this win in the context of our season was actually massive because we've squared the ledger and the draw is much easier going forward. And we've got really good news during the week that Peter Wright should be back before the buy. Laverde should be back soon. Elijah Sardis we're going to see sooner rather than later. Jake Kelly comes back next week. Shield comes back next week. And then after the bye, we should get Parrish and or Settersfield as well. It's, assuming the rest of the list stays relatively healthy, it's looking up for a, a charge towards sort of the bottom half of the top eight towards the end of the year. Mm, it would be nice, wouldn't it? Mm, mm. Although that worries me a little bit because, you know, that talk of it's been however long since Essendon won a final and um, blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't know that just making the finals will be enough. It'll be, from a development point of view, it will be. From Um, a media point of view, I mean. Yeah, do you know what, though? So, you know when it's really dark and stormy and it's been raining really heavily and you can't see the sun? And then the rain starts to stop and the clouds part and the sun just pokes through? And you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. There's just, there's a little bit about that in this win. Like, we hadn't beaten them in nearly 10 years. And we have just changed so much in this last offseason. And this, it's starting to me to feel like a real football club again. You know, just in the way that we've performed over the last five weeks. Well, really the entirety of the season. The rhetoric coming out of the club, the way that they're managing injuries, the way that they're making decisions, it's just starting to feel like a real football club again. Not only that, I think um, the way that they celebrated at the end of the game, that's not something I've seen from Essendon players for a really long time. That Mm. I, I don't know how to explain it, but they just were, it was literally like they'd won a final. Yeah. And um, just the way that they celebrated together, I I don't remember seeing that kind of celebration for a really long time mm-hmm. from from the players. Yeah. Just feel something different about the group that hasn't been there before. Well, it's it's interesting because I listened to um Brad Scott's press conference and he talked about how this is a really big deal for Essendon supporters. And to make sure that you go out and you thank them. Because this group of players hasn't been together for nine years. So like this particular 22 or 23 players have lost to Richmond for 10 years. They haven't. It's been a whole plethora of players that have come through that group. Um, But 
him having the understanding that this is incredibly important for the football club, uh, just, you kind of get the sense that they get it. They get it that we've been starved of success and that the fans deserve a little bit more, um, a little bit more acknowledgement for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think, gosh, I loved watching all the footage of around the grounds of all the different fans and everyone celebrating and even hearing some stuff on the radio on the way home. They were talking about, um, yeah, like just random people in the crowd hugging and getting around each other and that kind of stuff. Like it was yeah. just, it was just such a good win and so nice to be there and, and see it. Mm. Mm. I'll never forget 2016 dream time at the G. No players. It was raining. I was sitting there with my poncho on, freezing, couldn't feel my fingers, and I literally thought, what am I doing with my life? Like, why am I sitting here right now putting myself through this torture? So to be there last night and witness that, it was amazing. Mm, mm, definitely worth it. Definitely worth it. And... With that streak ending, I mean, there's only one left, right? It's it's the one that everyone always loves to talk about, how many days since Essendon won a final. But that's that's really, in my opinion, I've seen enough evidence that we're tracking in the right direction and yeah. there's, only, there's only that to go. And that's going to happen. It's going to happen this year, but I think it'll happen next year at the latest. Um, yeah. I, I feel like next year we'll go deep in finals if everything goes. Well, yeah, we've got to see how the rest of this season plays out. But there's a there's a there's guts in this group now. There's a resilience. There's a system. There's a game plan. There's a coach that is willing to make changes on the day, willing to change his approach depending on the opposition and the personnel available. I think we're not there yet. But we are no. tracking in the right direction and we can see the roadmap to success. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. So should we jump into our likes and dislikes? We shall. We shall. So I'll kick, I'll kick us off. Go for it. Number 21, Dyson Heppel. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to like about this performance and the thing that I like the most I'm going to take this and I'm going to run with it is that our three in my opinion our three best players for the night were far and away our captain Zach Merritt our vice captain Andy McGrath and our former captain Dyson Heppel in one game we got three captains performances uh, and to touch on Heppel as you suggested so many crucial intercept marks especially that last one that one-on-one contested mark to get it back in and eventually get it to sammy durham to kick that goal uh he's clean with his possessions he's getting more time and space he's making good decisions he's hitting his targets he i can see this dyson heppel playing on for another year maybe two or three if he continues in this, maybe three is a bit, bit, um, bit too much, but certainly another year or two if he continues in this vein of form. Um, you know, and he was challenged earlier this year. Uh, the media were coming after him. Essendon supporters were coming after him. Our own Matthew Vaserka was coming after him. But I, um, I couldn't be happier with his turnaround in form, and I'm... I'm pleased for what it means for us in that we're winning games, but I'm more pleased for him as an individual Um, and good to see that he is not just fading away into nothingness. But if he does choose to go out this year, he's going out in some form. I agree. I think it's so good to see him. And I just remember so many times courageous times where he just put himself on the line to take an intercept mark to to tackle to do whatever he needed to do i just remember Mm. a couple of times just thinking like he was going in hard Mm. he was not Mm. afraid to get hurt yeah no he an incredible game incredible game and i've been calling 
for this for a number of weeks, really in the last five weeks, where we haven't had that one player to step up and carry us over the line when the chips are down, right? Yeah. And we certainly got that performance from Zach Merritt last night, didn't we? Yeah, we absolutely did. He he was immense, 39 possession. He just seemed to be in every single chain of Essendon possession. Uh, he, his kicking around the ground is just bananas. He hits targets. He makes good decisions. He opens up with aggressive kicks. His tackling, his defensive pressure, his leadership was exactly what you would hope for from a captain. Like that, that performance was, and I know we talked about this last year in the 150th game, right? That performance was James Hurd-esque in its leading from the front, the nature of leading from the front, right? That was as, as good a captain's performance as you're going to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally and agree. You, what? Keep going. Oh, no, you go. That's fine. Well, in, in Brad Scott's press conference, he was, again, he was talking about how some players, when you meet them, you like, you know, they're good players, but you can see their flaws. And he was saying when he got to the Bombers, he, he was actually surprised at how good Zach Merritt was. Like, he was just better than he ever expected that he would be. Yeah, right. Mm. And I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm happy to see him doing well as captain. I remember a few years ago he was dropped from the leadership group and there was all of that kind of stuff. Um, so I think he's a really good choice for captain. Yeah, I think I think that was more around his leadership style, that he has such a high drive and he wants success so badly that um, he was somewhat viewed as unlikable. Um, yeah. But, mate, that's why we were mediocre for so many years. If people are going to get offended at someone wanting success, like I remember watching The Last Dance and how much of a hard-ass Michael Jordan was, and yet mm. he carried that whole organisation to success after success after success. So sometimes you've got to let them drive the, the high standards. Yeah. Yeah. And And it shows, right? Like our fitness wasn't there. There was no drive. We as supporters would get frustrated week after week from a lack of effort, from a lack mm. of skill, mm. and maybe instead of dropping him or voting him out or whatever it was, not voting him in, they needed to want to be more like him. Mm. Mm. And then finally we've got McGrath. Just such a no-brainer to put him back in defence. And I remember when, when um, Saad left, we were talking about it on the pod and how if, if halfback is such an important area for the team and for the game plan, play McGrath there. And finally, you know, they, they stop playing him in the middle. They put him in his natural position. He's such a good shutdown small defender. But then his rebound, his decision-making, his run and carry, his lateral movement, his reading of the play, just incredible. And... Really, I don't think right now there's a better small defender in the game. Yeah. Can you think of I, any um, off the top of your head that are actually having a better year, small defenders, than Andy McGrath? Look, I don't know that I can give an accurate um, answer to that question, to be honest. I don't watch enough like other teams to know. But I just think, like I've many times on this pod, um, said I wasn't a fan, but I think he is so crucial for us in defence, and I'm I've really changed my opinion on him this year. Mm. Mm. Sorry, listeners, just had to go on mute while I coughed. Um, yeah, again, coming on in leaps and bounds, and look, if he can stay fit, he. I, I think he's back in the conversation. I mean, these conversations are always irrelevant. Talking about, should we have taken Taranto? Should we have taken McCluggage? Should we have taken McGrath? But McGrath was a bigger influence on that game than Taranto was last night. And Taranto had a good game. And yeah. certainly um, has a potential to, as the group improves, have a similar, if not better, 
three of them are Cluggage. Cluggage is surrounded by a lot of very good players. Um, and McGrath has toiled in sort of an average club for a long period of time. So I'm I'm really excited for him, really happy for him. And I think what we're seeing with McGrath this year is similar kind of uh, excitement's not the word, but not even maybe skill, but the similar kind of characteristics as what we saw in his first season. You know, his first season, he he kind of dominated, he felt like he dominated quite a lot for a first-year player and then dropped away for a few years. And I feel like he's now getting back. Well, he had he had a couple of years of injury and a couple of years where they played him in the midfield, and I think I think it was a mix of both, right? I, I don't. It's not necessarily that he's not suited to the midfield, but it's that he was injured. We had a per- terrible game plan. We had terrible inconsistency in coaching. Those sorts of things. I think you could put him into the midfield in this group, in this team, and I think he would do really really well but he's doing such a good job in defense why would you want to he just looks so comfortable in the defense mm. yeah and he's doing he's performing such a great great role um so dislikes this is kind of a like kind of a dislike so what i liked was Wiedemann getting two goals in the first quarter mm-hmm. and i was really excited because i'm like I don't know, there's something about a, a key forward on your team kicking a big bag. It's I think because when we started watching footy, it was like the Lloyd era. And you, kinda, and you had this guy that always kicked four or five goals, right? And so yeah. Wiedemann kicks two in the first, and I'm licking my lips. I'm going, oh, we're on here. We're going to get a bag of five or six. And then he doesn't kick another one for the whole day. He got, And not only that, like he had some pretty big misses. And they were really gettable, really. And the first two shots he took was so straight. Like, they just went straight through the middle, and I'm like, oh, he is on here. And then he missed the first one, and you're like, oh. It was a bit of an angle. It's okay. Then he missed the second one. You're like, yeah, the distance. And then the third one was 30 metres directly in front, and you're like, mate, this is... Yeah. When you kick two in the first quarter as a key forward, you should be kicking five. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I am... have you got more to say about that? Or no, we that's it. On, on, all right. Uh, I have a, I'm not sure if I, if I like or dislike or if it's just an observation. Mm. The Rupp combo, Sammy mm. Drapes and Phillips. Like, did they just have an exceptional couple of weeks a few rounds ago? Or is it Phillips maybe needs a rest? I think Draper was quite good. I think it's more maybe that second ruck being Phillips maybe not giving as much as he did. He had two really good weeks. Um, yeah, just interested in your opinion on the whole Draper-Phillips combo. Yeah. Look, Phillips was around the contest, right? He was using his body, but he only had one possession. Oh, so, did he? Yeah. Yeah. So he's definitely not clunking him like he was a few weeks ago and like he has in years gone past. So I'm not sure... I'm not sure what's up. Maybe he's carrying a niggle. Like, maybe he's got a sore shoulder, and that's why he's not getting his hands to as many marking contests or something. Maybe he's just a bit out of form and needs a game in the twos or a rest or something. But I I felt Draper was good last night, but um, Phillips has struggled for a a few weeks, in my Mm. opinion. Um, And whether that's because... Whether he's in the team to give that bigger body that um, we've got some inexperience around and, and less mature bodies. Is he in the team just to give Draper a chop out because we don't have Peter Wright able to do that for five minutes a quarter? Or we don't have Jones and Wiedemann, so Wiedemann can do that for five minutes a quarter? I'm not sure. But we're not getting a lot from him outside of um, actually just being a contest in the ruck, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, what did he have? He had one kick, one mark, one tackle, eight hitouts. So, I mean, he only played three quarters, but still, one possession in three quarters when you're at every ruck contest. And that's not to say he didn't work hard and he wasn't blocking and tackling and, well, stats say he wasn't tackling, but he wasn't blocking and shepherding and getting in the way and just using his frame in that way. But, yeah, it's... I'm not sure that we're not better off 
giving him a rest and getting a game or two into Nick Bryan, right? Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Sammy Draper had 13 possessions. Um, so not not terrible. Um, and how many hitouts? 22 hitouts. So we had a, you know, we had a decent game from Sammy Draper, but yeah, I Brian's had quite a few good games in the twos, so I would be inclined to bring him in and see if he can give us a little bit more around the ground. But I mean, I got a soft spot for Phillips. I really like him, but yeah, mm. one position is not enough. It's not enough. Yeah, yeah, and maybe he just needs a rest. You know? Yeah, it could be. Could be. It's been a tough few weeks, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's carrying a niggle. Um, yeah, because we've had. Five really tough games with short turnarounds into a big dream time game. So, yeah, it could be that he's just due a rest. Yeah. 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 And maybe next week is the week. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think about Jai Caldwell's game? Um, I don't know, actually. Because I this, think I kept getting Caldwell confused for Menzies, and every time I thought it was Caldwell, it was actually Menzies. Uh, what well, was likely always Caldwell, because he had 31 touches, 17 kicks, 14 handballs. Uh, really, really good performance. I'm really pleased with that. This is certainly... We know that we have a player on our hands in Caldwell, and, you know, and Hobbs as well, right? Hobbs has had 23 touches. But for our mainline midfielders to drop away and then have Caldwell... Bob up with 31 and Hobbs bob, bob up with 23. Really, really pleasing. And that that's not only pleasing for the now and the depth that we have through the midfield, but four or five years from now when they're in their sort of mid-20s, that's, that's a really, really strong midfield grade that we've got there. But really pleased. He was clean with his ball use. Um, he had a couple turnovers and a couple of mistakes, but that's what you're going to going to happen when you're sort of at the coal face in the middle. But that was that was a game I think that Caldwell arrived um, on the AFL scene. Yeah, well, I clearly then missed something somewhere along the line. Yeah, well, the thing was where we were sitting. You don't. He kind of looks a bit like Archie Perkins, right? And he's a similar body shape to Menzi, so it's very easy to, from where we're sitting, not actually know who it is with the ball, and you know, a similar shape to. To Snelling as well, though a little bit bigger. But watching it again on TV, he is in the packs, getting it out, you know, linking up well. Yeah, really, really great performance. I, I think the other thing is, like, when I sit with you and, like, Maddie and Nikki and you're watching footy, you guys are actually, like, looking ahead and looking at space and looking at how the team is set up and how they're positioned, whereas I'm really just looking at who's got the ball right now. So from that analytical point of view, sometimes I miss things that you guys see because I am obviously haven't grown up playing footy, so I'm not across the tactical side of it. Mm, mm. You've only been watching it for 25 years. I'm probably more concerned with, you know, who's got what haircut and who's got the best tattoos and the best muscles, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I love looking at their muscles. But anyway, yeah. Well, there you go. I think, to answer your question, I think Caldwell had a great game. Mm, mm. Just edit the other bit out. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, look, the other thing that I found really pleasing was our game plan of kick mark. And it's something mm. that we just haven't been able to do in previous years, is actually possess the ball and move it end-to-end slowly by foot. It, I don't think it's something that we want to do all the time, but to have that in the kit bag to be able to go, yep, over this next five minutes or ten minutes, we're going to possess the ball and move it really slowly and cautiously and hold possession of it. And then when we do get our big forwards, you know, Peter Wright, uh, Harry Jones back, then we've got options in the forward line to be able to hit with with a really clever kick as well. So game plan in general, really pleased with. You know, able to keep Richmond to ten goals and excuse me, and really control the flow of the game and the tempo of the game, really pleased with. Yeah, it's felt like previously we didn't have the skill level to do that. Like every time they tried that kick mark game, it would get intercepted, turned over, and then result in an opposition goal. Yeah, yeah. So it's good to see them be able to execute that kind of game plan. Mm, mm. 
And, I mean, we've been uh, waffling on for a little while here, but how good is it to see Zerk in a matchup that is actually the same size and weight as him? He had an absolute cracker of a game. Like, he is actually one of my favourite players, Brandon Zerk Thatcher. He just, like, the sight... He he's always hard at the ball, right? And he always gives 150%. So there's no doubt about his effort, but put him in a position where he's matched up with somebody that is even on height and weight. And like you saw how dominant he was. Like, did Revolt even kick a goal? He got one goal, yeah? No, I don't think Revolt kicked a goal, but... He didn't even he... seem to be around the contest at all. Like he just was nowhere to be seen. Yeah, Zerk just blanketed him. And like you say, it's ne- effort and desire has never been Zerk's problem. Uh, it's been his decision-making and cleanliness by foot. But now he's intercept marking, he's making good decisions, he's balking players, he's, he's moving the ball forward. There was, I think, one mistake late that nearly cost us the game. Um, I'm not sure if it was him or McGrath. No, it was, it was Redmond that didn't punch it, you mean? Yeah, no, no, but the setup before that, the kick inside oh, right. was poor. But I mean, he—I think we've we've found our fullback. To be honest, I think he he's going to be a fullback at Essendon for a long time. Because particularly if we get Nick Cox back and or Zach Reed to take the really tall players, mm. um, and then Zerk is getting sort of the second forward, then I think yeah, we've got him between him. One of Cox and Reed and Ridley, I think our key defensive posts are looking really, really strong. But he's just taken sort of the steps that he went last year and gone on with them. And, you know, some of that credit has to go to to Rutten and um, the key position coaches from last year and over the last couple of years because, you know, they got the most out of Peter Wright. Zerk Thatcher's come on really well. Ridley's continued to improve. Laverde has come on really well. So credit can't all go to, to Brad Scott, but most importantly, the credit's got to go to Zerk because he has, you know, he hasn't really been beaten too badly apart from Hawkins. And Hawkins, no one was stopping him that day, right? Like, he, yeah, yeah been really pleased with his year and, and the end to last year, and long may it continue. I'm just really pleased with our backline in general. I feel really confident in them, and I just actually really, I really like them. Yeah. I only have good things to say about our back line. Yeah, I also really like them. I think they're just doing, even with, you know, losing Ridley last week, Laverde, like Jake Kelly was out. Mm. We haven't, they've still been competitive, and the, and the defense has still been there. I think they've got good depth. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, Baldwin comes in and plays in Laverde's role. And you know what? He he looked good. I'm mm. With getting more players back through the midfield and through the forward line so that the defence isn't under siege, and, you know, getting the third forward as his matchup as opposed to the first or second, as he did against Brisbane, mm. um, I'm more than happy to have Baldwin stay in the team. Like, he, he's hard at it. He very rarely loses a contest. He knows when to spoil. He's got some athleticism. He's got um, such a presence, doesn't he? Like his physical presence is so. He, he he's very Hurley like, right? Like he's yeah. He's yeah. very much the the size and shape of Hurley, um, and kind of like that. Yeah, same. I really liked seeing him in the team. Yeah. So yeah, really, really pleased. I'm just having a look at his uh, his stats. He is. 193 and 97. So he is pretty much the size of Hurley, like exactly mm. the same size as Hurley. But, That's so um, exciting because, you yeah. know, Hurley's a part of the um, backline coaches. So yeah, maybe he's he's creating him in his, I wouldn't, shadow is not the right word, in his likeness. Yeah. So, look, we drafted him as a key forward, so it's interesting that he's getting some really good uh, performances as a backman. But, yeah, I'm... I'm happy for him to stay in the team. Really, as until Laverde's back, and and I'm hoping that he challenges Laverde to keep his spot as that third, that third yeah. key. 
Yeah, it's it, it's exciting to feel like there are options because mm, mm. I, I think for so long we haven't had options. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now, it wouldn't be dream time if we didn't discuss the performances of our Indigenous boys. Uh, let's start with Elwyn. How do you think he went? I think he had some good patches. Mm. However, I think that he probably needs either a rest or some time in the twos. I think he's, yeah, like he was, he was okay. He wasn't amazing. He didn't have a blinder. Yeah, yeah. So he's had seven kicks and a handball, so eight possessions and a goal. For me, as a small forward, I'd probably like him to see, like to see him up around the fifteen possession mark. But I mean, what's he played? How many rounds have he played? Ten. Ten games of football. So yeah. it's not that. I think my expectations are based on his name, Elwyn Davy, um, yeah. and the hype around him, not actually what is reasonable to expect from a 10-gamer, right? Yeah. Um, and similar, similar with um, Menzi, like, again, I, I, the only difference in their performances is Menzi kicked two goals, one, right? So I think if, you, if Davy kicks that second goal that he had a shot on, then, then he's had a decent game. Um, yeah. But look, I'm I'm happy. He doesn't hurt the team by him being in there, and I'm happy to continue developing him. If they think that he's going to get more development by getting the ball twenty times in the twos as opposed to eight, then I'm all for that. But um, the more he's in the team, the more we get to watch him. Yeah, he's an exciting player for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, How do you feel, Waller went? Again, some good patches. He does look to me, I really hate to, to say this um, as someone that has, you know, body image issues, but he just looks like he needs to drop a few kilos. Like he's not quite as fast as he used to be. He doesn't quite have that pace. Like there were some good patches, but I, I think he's not quite 100% where he needs to be. Yeah, he, he's got a bit more power. But he doesn't have that top-end speed that he had when he was really at the top of his game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so whether, whether it's him to kind of – whether they want him lighter so he can be quicker or whether they like him heavier so he can sort of hit harder and tackle better um, – mm. That's sort of one for the fitness department. So I just think he's got to get his hands on the ball a bit more. I think they've just got to, he's just got to build into AFL footy again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's still got that electric, he's still got the footy smarts and that electric movement and that ability to take a sidestep and, and kind of tap the ball on and, and get around people. But he's just got to get used to the pace of the game again. Yeah. He's just not, he's just a little bit off the pace. That's all. Yeah, and and similar to the others, like, is it our game plan? Is it that they just need more game time? Um, you know, do we keep him in the ones? Do we play him in the twos for a couple of weeks? Um, you know, my only concern is that Guelphie's coming back in, right? That mm. Guelphie's going to need a spot, and who does he come in for is the question. Because I, he he's definitely our number one small forward last year. I feel he probably comes in for Davey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, although they rate, rotate Davey, Menzi, Waller um, through the team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I think he's he's pretty reasonable. Mm. Um, another, not so much a like, but I guess just a comment that I'll make to you. Like, Jake Stringer, he, he did pop up just when you said we need a Stringer special. Um, he had a fairly, well, I don't know what his stats are, but looked to my eye, to have a fairly quiet game. But mm. what I want to do say about, do want to say about Jake Stringer is what I said to you last night is he actually looks quite fit, so quite mm. lean and quite fit, yeah. um, which I think is really exciting for us. Yeah. Look, he, Stringer's a bit like Waller in that they actually don't need to rack up the possessions to have an influence on the game. And yeah. watching the game again, similar to sort of Phillips, he actually uses, he's, uses his footy brain and, and he blocks really well and he shepherds really well and he tackles and 
he actually uses his frame really, really well. But I think the stringer, similar to to the other key forwards, is that they're actually playing him as a key forward and not in his natural kind of floating role. And mm. I think his discipline and being in the right spots and making sure that he's a lead-up target is actually preventing him from getting his hands on a lot of the footy because yeah. he's he's got to be that, okay, go back to the goal square, lead out here, go back here, um, rather than letting him be that high half forward where you kind of almost that extra midfielder. Um, yeah, right. So essentially he's playing his role and doing the team thing, but because we're used to seeing the, the flashy stringer, that's kind of not what we're getting, but that's not what they're wanting either. Is yeah, that what you're saying? Yeah, give, well, this is just me speculating, right? Given mm. um, our injury problems, uh, yep. we're kind of seeing similar roles between him, Wiedemann, and Langford, right? And they're all yep. sort of getting in that, you know, between 10 and 20 possession marks. They're having an influence on the game, but they're not racking up big numbers, and I think that's a structural thing because yep. we can see very clearly that the players that rack up the most disposals are the starting midfielders and our rebounding defenders. Um, and then as we get further up the ground, disposals drop off. You can see from our small forwards, you can see from our key forwards, those sorts of things. So I, I think it's probably a game plan thing. But having said that, he still had a massive influence on the contest, right? I think he yeah. had five of his 11 possessions in the last quarter. Uh, kicked a goal, set up two others. So, yeah, yeah, he had a quiet day, but he probably dragged us over the line in the end. Yeah. Yeah, and I just think, um, yeah, I just yeah wanted to, I guess, recognise that he is looking quite fit and quite athletic because the, he cops a lot of heat for his body shape and his fitness. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, I agree with you. He He's looking good. He's looking fit. Um, and it's probably better for us as a football club that we're not, our success is not determined by the performance of Jake Stringer, like it was in 2021, right? That the reason we made finals and we're even looking close to winning a final was the form of Jake Stringer. Yeah, that's true. And I like that he can just do his job. Yeah. And he probably likes that he can just do his job. Oh, I feel like Jake Stringer would prefer to be the one carrying the team. I just feel like he's that kind of guy. But Yeah, maybe. Um, but, you know, the thing is, when you've got a good system and the team plays well, he can have those big games and it's it's like party time for us as supporters because the rest of the team is so well-structured that that's just the cream on top. But for yeah. him to... I'd, I'd rather a team performance and a win like last night any day of the week than having... Uh, do we win or lose? How many goals did Jake Stringer kick and how many clearances did he get? Yeah. Yeah. So, and look, he watching the game again, he he was working hard. He definitely was around the contest, definitely was using his frame. He definitely was blocking. He was making space, creating lanes. So it's not like he, he only had 11 touches and he didn't do anything. He, he was working really hard and I was really yeah. pleased with his performance. Yeah. Really pleased with Snelling to come in late um, and have the influence he did through the midfield. You know, like most of the games this year, I don't think anyone's really had a stinker apart from, um, you know, Phillips not getting his hands on the footy. But mm. but it's not like people were turning it over, making decision mistakes, those sorts of things at all. Um, yeah. You know, the team's working well and, and the performance is going really well. Um, yep. But we've been ruffling on for quite a while. Do we need to wrap it up? You got any final thoughts on the game? No, I just thought it was an all-round, really exciting, really good game. Yeah, yeah, really, really pleased. Um, we would normally take a break now, but I don't know if there's a lot to discuss with West Coast um, coming up. Let me just have a look at their uh, their lineup. They're, they I are have just... a really bad feeling about this weekend. I just have oh, a bad feeling. No, nah, no. Nah. I just... Look, it's the AFL, right? On any given day, anyone can beat anyone. But this is this is a must win from a... Like, if you're a serious football club, they 
they are decimated through injury. They just have no one on the park. Today, they had two players from their 2018 grand final win. That's it. Wow. Um, the rest are all, you know, first to third year players. They are really, really struggling from an injury point of view. I don't know how many they're going to get back, how likely it is that they're going to get anyone back for our game. Mm. Um, it's, yeah, they're just in, in really, really big trouble, to be honest. Um, mm. And, you know, some of it is their own fault, but a, a lot of it is just injury after injury after injury. Um, they're they're really really struggling right now, um, and so I was having this discussion with with Matthew last night. In that, like we were saying before, that sort of Elwin looks like he needs a bit of a break, or that you know Phillips needs a break, or whatever you know whoever mm-hmm. we would normally talk about dropping for the game. Obviously, if Shields fit, he comes back in. If Jake Kelly's fit, he comes back in. Any of the others, Laverty, Wright, whatever. Like any of those players, obviously they come back in and they have to make way. Someone has to make way for them. But um, like, are you are you better off playing Elwin in the ones? Because to be honest, the quality of of West Coast right now is a VFL team or a Waffle team. So their their injury list right now is one, two, three. We've got 18 players on the injury list, and I can see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen walk up start best 22 players on that list. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, so, what sort of injuries have they got? Like, why are they so. Uh, Hamstrings, ankles, knee, uh, ankle adductor. They they all look like um, soft tissues. Soft tissues. Yeah. Couple couple knees, but majority soft tissues. Yeah, right. Yeah. So they yeah, they're just they're a shamosal right now. So yeah, I agree. The Essendon of old, and we did last year. We lost Yeah, that's what I mean. Last year. Yeah. Um but no. Nah, this our performances have been too consistent for too long this year for mm. us to risk losing that game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I'm just, I'm just concerned a little. Yeah, we always are. Everyone's always concerned when, you, when you're playing a game against. And, and this is why, I mean, we look ahead and, and we assume that we win against West Coast North and, and win against them twice each, and so that gives us four wins. But nothing's certain in football, but the, I think Brad Scott's just brought a professionalism to the group, and he's brought uh, a toughness and a consistency to the group that I I can't see us losing. No, there's no yeah. evidence that I've seen this season that mm. we are going to slip up and, and let this um, game get away from us. Yeah. I but think I, it I was, would be devastating if that happened yeah i was watching west coast today and hawthorne who we beat by 10 goals Mm. um like it was like a training run for them yeah right yeah it was woeful it it was as bad as i've seen like from um expansion clubs yeah okay so so and and i guess that that is a long-winded say way of talking about the point of you know, do you because they're talking about Peter Wright before the bye, right? Um, mm. And uh, Nick Cox is supposed to come back this week for some football time and and that sort of thing. Do you potentially bring them back because the intensity is likely to be low against the West Coast, rather than bringing him in through the VFL, assuming they can play a full game, right? Not mm. they don't have to have their minutes managed. Assuming they can, do you just? Yeah. Well, maybe, in. maybe you do. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting one, but yeah, if we're a serious football team, we should smash this. You know, if yeah, Hawthorne won by one hundred and fourteen, we should beat them by one hundred and eighty. Yeah. Oh my um, gosh. Well, let's see. What is it? Saturday night over there. Yeah, Saturday night in Perth. Mm. And then yep. 
I think that's our last uh, our last interstate for a little while. Well, that'd be nice. I feel like we've done a lot of travelling. Yeah, so we'll have a look ahead. We have got obviously West Coast this week, then North Melbourne the week after, which is a home game. Then Carlton, so that's two Melbourne games in a row. Then a bye. Oh no, then we fly again to Perth to play Frio. Oh yeah. Um, and then that is our last road trip until round twenty three, which is the Giants at Giants Stadium. Yeah. So, and this is why, yeah, that Richmond win was so important because we've got West Coast North, Carlton, and you would think we'll go in favourites against West Coast and North, and in Carlton's current form, we're probably favourites against them, considering that we potentially have quite a few players back by the time we get to the Carlton game. Yeah. Um, then Frio in Perth is looking to be difficult. Port here, difficult. Then Adelaide, winnable. Geelong and Geelong, very difficult. Bulldogs looking more and more difficult. But then Sydney, West Coast again, North again, Giants again, and then round out against Collingwood. So, mm. um, yeah, that's that was a really crucial win. And then, you know, we take those, we beat Adelaide, and then you've only got to win one more. You know, mm. we've got, we assume we get four from those. That takes us to, to nine wins. Uh, Adelaide takes you to 10. And then you um, are 11, including Carlton. And then you've got to steal one. You've got to steal one against Port, Geelong, Bulldogs, uh, Sydney, or Collingwood. So yeah. it's doable. It's doable. We'll see how we go. But, yeah, I, I don't think we there's any world where we lose this game. I'd be... I'd almost cancel the podcast. <laughs> you heard it here first. If we're not yeah. on next week, you know why. You, you know why. You know why. Well, we should uh, we should wrap this one up and, and get it done and get it out a day early. Thanks for joining me, Laura. Anytime. It was very good um, to, to be on after such an exciting win. Poor Matthew on his deathbed is going to be devastated that he missed this one. But, you know, he'll, he'll, rise, from, he'll rise from the dead. He'll be like a phoenix rising from the ashes next week. That's right. That's right. So um, follow us on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. Uh, wherever you listen to really good podcasts, uh, all that stuff. We're and there. We are there. And until next time. Go Dons. Go Dons.